morning, everybody. Yes, we're back online. It's fine. Um, I hope everyone's ready. Tune in um, and prepare your hearts, most uh, importantly, to hear the Word of God. And I want to give some times for you to take out your Bible, because we're going to do a lot of readings. Um, take out your Bible. Uh, get, I'm going to give you just this some, some times for you to take out your smartphone, whoever is here. And those of you watching online, get your Bible, turn your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 4. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 8 to 37. I'm going to read it for you, but uh, you can follow along. I'm using New King James Version. So 2 Kings 4 verse 8 to 37. Uh, before we read, I'm, I'm just going to let you know that this story involves the story of Elisha. And if you know Elisha, is a servant of the, one of the most uh, prominent prophets of the Bible is the prophet Elijah. Okay? Elisha is the servant of the prophet Elijah. So Elisha continues the work of the Lord after Elijah is being called back home by God. So... Um, this is the story of Elisha in 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 37. And during his ministry travels, there's this passage in 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 37, about the Shunammite woman. We're going to talk about the, this woman all mornings. All right. 2 Kings 4, verse 8 to 37, the Shunammite woman. Here we go. Verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food, so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Verse 9, And she said to her husband, Look now, I know this is a holy man of God, who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand. Very simple. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Verse 12. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. 14. So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your, to, to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. 18, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, 19, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. 20, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. 21, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. 
shut the door upon him and went out. 22. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. 23. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. 24. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off, then he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. 27. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. 28. So she said, Did I ask a son of my, uh, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? 29. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose, Elisha finally arose and followed her. 31. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. 32. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed in the upper room that they prepared the room for Elisha and Gehazi. 33. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. 34, and he went up and lay on the child, and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again, he went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child Open his eyes. 36. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. That's the story. I know it is pretty long, but I'm going to go step by step talking about the stories for all of us this morning. Okay, in verse 8. What happened in verse 8, we know the story that Elisha was a famous prophet. Okay, everybody knows him. He continues after Elijah, one of the famous prophets in their town. So they were, uh, they're, they're, they're well known. So Elisha was famous already in his travel from town to town. But he often passed by this particular town called Shunem, a place between Samaria and Mount Carmel. Okay, Samaria, Shunem, Mount Carmel. So he would travel and he would pass by Shunem and he would stay there. Okay, um, since he is famous, everybody knows him. Probably he, uh, people know where, where he stays in some lodgings and where he would eat and what he would do and things like that. So it is easy to, for anyone to get a hold of him. 
So there's this Shunammite woman, you know, wanting to get a hold of him. Okay, she is not named. We don't know why she's not named, only, you know, a, a woman from Shunem. That's why she's called the Shunammite woman. But we know of her reputation as a notable or good standing one. She's wanting basically to just learn and associate more with Elisha because, of course, you know, his reputation as the prophet of God. That she would always invite Elisha and Gehazi, to, uh, his servant, to, to dine with her and her family at her place every time they pass by Shunem. That's what ha what's happening in verse 8, basically. And in verse 9 to 11, not only that, that this woman turned to her husband and asked if she or they could build for Elisha a decent room. Okay, nothing too fancy, just a decent room, a chair, a bed, and a lampstand, probably a candlestick at that time, to stay in their house during their travels, not only just to dine in, to have some kind of lunch, but to stay, because they continually wanting to learn what the prophet of God has to say. That's why we know that she is a notable woman. Why? Because she would ask if her husband agrees or not first before acting upon what her heart desires. Now let's talk about a relationship a bit right here. Question for all of us. Will this Shunammite woman be able to bless Elisha and his servant Gehazi if the husband did not agree to her request? If the husband did not agree, I'm like, no, it's our house. It's 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 not like big or anything. Like, and we're gonna build a place, and it's gonna it's gonna cost us something. Like, no, the answer is just no. Especially in the Eastern culture at that time, you are submit you submit under your husband's authority. And being a good or notable woman, she will not be able to bless Elisha and Gehazi but at this time we can see we need to see something here as well while it is not mentioned in the Bible but we don't need to guess too far because we know the answer that the husband agreed to build a place for Elisha and Gehazi so women especially single ones right here you might want to look for a man with this kind of generous heart who is not jealous he agreed not to only give free lunches or dinners to the servant of God, but to build them a place to stay in their house so they can rest and continue their ministry journey with ease. It is important for you, single women, to look into these kinds of characteristics in your men. Listen to me, because the kind of men you ended up with will determine the outcome of your future decisions. Am I right? The kind of men you ended up with will determine the outcome of your future decisions. That's why, you know, talk a lot during your courtship. Talk a lot during your dating seasons. Right? Don't make out a lot. Get as much insights as possible about your man, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what kind of work that he has. Is he lazy or not? How does he treat his friends, siblings, families, and the list goes on and on. I don't want you to get all surprised after you're married simply because you lack on communicating with one another during your courtship. That's why for me, I do not suggest going out to movies all the time during your dating seasons or do whatever that makes both of you lazy or sleepy. If you know what I mean, you will end up sleeping together. Why not to movies? Because you don't talk during movies. 
You know, go to cafes, invite me. I love to go to cafes. Drink some coffees that, that makes you want to talk more and more, you know, finding out what's going on with him, you know, knowing about their characteristics. In your dating seasons, dating serves its purpose for you to know one another. If it fails, then it serves its purpose. It's not a failed relationship. It serves the purpose that you are not meant for one another. That's why I talk a lot. So then you're not surprised when you're married. You can't just act on your own when you're married. You have to know that. You always need to ask your spouse. Am I right? Husbands, husbands right here. <laughs> we need to ask our spouse. The same thing with us. The husbands do. I need to ask our wives, my wife. I need to ask when we're married. Husbands, do you know that when you're married, her mother becomes your mother-in-law? Her father becomes your father-in-law? Brother becomes brother-in-law, sister becomes sister-in-law, cousins becomes your cousins-in-law, and she becomes what? She becomes the law, exactly. And you're all surprised. Oh dear, I didn't know this law. It's so demanding. You know, you got to know the law first before you sign in to that law. Oh my goodness. So I guess this Shunammite woman has done a good job in finding herself a generous and loving husband. But woman, hear me out. In order for you to get these kind of generous and God-loving men, you also need to be a notable woman, a good standing one as well, who can be trusted by your husband. So you also got some homework to do, not just demanding on these characteristics on your men, but to work on your characters as well. That's 9 to 11. Verse 12 to 13, being a great man of God, Elisha and Gehazi would, would return the favor of the Shunammite woman. So he asked, what can I do for you, woman? Should I refer your husband or your family or yourself to some of my royal friends or even to the king or maybe to the commander of the army? Look at that. I want you to know Elisha's connection here is very high profile. He has some connections to the king, to commanders of the army. And, and because they're so nice, they become really good friends. And Elijah would say, what can I do for you? But I want you to focus on this woman's answer. Okay. Verse 13. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? This is what she replied. She answered, I dwell among my own people. Now, what does that mean? Okay, It means that she was so humble and content. No hidden agendas besides blessing the people of God. That's it. She needs nothing else. And she is referring to her contentment and her need not to be recognized of any king or some higher up people. She's not a gold digger. That's why she answered, I dwell among my own people, the one who's working at the field. You know, I'm fine. Like, I really just want to know and learn from you, people of God. Lord, I pray that newborn congregations will be like this woman. But why, Lord? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I pray that every one of us will be like this woman. Continuing on, moreover, verse 14 to 18a, what's going on with this woman? We know that she was content, needing nothing but to bless Elisha and Gehazi. But being a good prophet of God, of course, they don't take people for granted. 
So they were thinking, Elisha was speaking to Gehazi and was like, how, how should we repay them? So he repays her kindness with a request to the Lord for a child in her womb. We know that she was barren. And that also she did not ask. She knows that she was barren, but she didn't ask. She was like, I'm fine. But Elisha, Gehazi noticed this, so they asked the Lord. And of course, we know the Lord answered their, their prayer. She was surprised, yet very joyful at, of the promise. Long story short, she gave birth to a son the coming year. I'm sure this child is trained well, right? Dear to the parent's heart. Indeed, the son was helping her father out in the field, right? And I'm sure that this child is dear to Elisha as well because he often travel and stay in the upper room in their house. So a son out of his prayers to the Lord. Can you imagine that? Just the unending joy that falls upon this family simply because they treat this man of God well. So this man of God, they repay with unending joy. They're so happy. But as we know, 18b to 26, a tragedy happens. What first brings joy into the family has now bring deep distress into the woman's heart because the child has died. She did not ask for the child. And this is what, what are the things that, uh, some of the options that she could do, right? She could easily look back and blame Elisha for it. Are you serious? I did not ask for a child. I was simply content. And yet you bless me. But if I knew that this child is just going to die after a while, only for a while, I wouldn't ask for it. She could have done that, right? She could have complained to God. She could have cursed God or Elisha. She could have destroyed the upper rooms. Like, no more, you can't stay with me anymore. She could have murmured all day while looking for a help. She could have done that. Have every rights of these options. But what did we know of her? One, her answer to her husband. Verse 23. So she came to the husband. And the husband said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. And again, we see the harmony here between them two. The woman asked for her husband for a permission for the second time to go see the man of God. Although he objected, right? Or was rather confused because it was not a new moon, it was not Sabbath, why you should go. But again, we can see how he respected and trusted her decision to go see the man of God. And the second answer in verse 26, when Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, saw her from afar. Verse 26 says this, Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. No complaints whatsoever came out from her mouth. Wow. Everyone, us, me, myself, have to learn about this. No complaints whatsoever come out from her mouth, but what comes out indeed? The professing of faith. Believing that God can indeed use Elisha to bring this boy back to life. How do we know? Verse 20 to 21, we shall read this. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, then the child died. Verse 21, and she went up, and laid him where? On the bed of the men of God. Shut the door upon him and went out. 
went out to where? Went out to prepare her journey to seek for the prophet of God, to seek of God's word, to seek for Elisha. Mind you to know that Elisha is in Mount Carmel and she is in Shunem. To cut, to, uh, to, to cut a straight line, it's about 20 miles, but Mount Carmel, okay, it's a mountain. When you go to the mountain, you're just not gonna cut straight. So you're gonna go up the hill and down. Plus she was riding a donkey. Not a horse that can run. I doubt it takes her only a day to travel back and forth. I doubt it. But again, the Bible is silent about it. I don't know how long that she spent. But any, you know, just thinking, just studying about it, it's, it's, it's doubtful to be in a day or maybe of one full day. So any normal people would seek the nearest help and probably already preparing for a burial knowing that he is not breathing. He's dead. The child is dead. So any normal people that would prepare for burial, seeking for, for the closest one to help him. But the woman keeps on saying, it is well, it is well, it is well, and laying the child down on the bed of the prophet of God. That's why we know that she was professing her faith, knowing that God has a power to raise him back to life. Amen. She was pleading with Elisha to come to see the boy. Verse 27 to 31. Elisha first sent Gehazi ahead of them, bringing his staff. Gehazi did what Elisha has told him, laid the staff on the face of the child, but it did nothing. So he returned with no success of raising the boy back to life. Verse 32 to 37. But as we know right here, Elisha finally went back with the woman as, because the woman was pleading, as, as, as long as the Lord lives, as long as I live, I will not leave this place until you go with me. So Elisha finally went with the woman, do whatever that they need to do. He came into the house, closed the door behind them, only him alone and the dead child, pleading to God for the life of the boy. God answered his prayer and respected the faith of the woman. The boy is back to life. The joy was restored. What a woman. The character and the faith of this Shunammite woman. There are so much things for us to learn just from this one character of the woman. I'm gonna sum it up for all of you this morning. One, she has a generous heart in her way, blessing people with food and a place to stay, to stay and not having any hidden agendas. Two, she has a submissive heart in her way to ask for her husband's permission and consent. Three, she has a gentle spirit in her way not to use her mouth and actions to complain when trouble comes. Four, she has a strong faith in her belief in the power of God and his prophet. I invite the musicians, please. So this morning, I'm not only preaching for the woman of newborn but for the men as well. Ask ourselves these four things. One, do we have a generous heart? Willing to bless others rather than our own. So if we know that we're stingy this morning, I invite you together with me to repent. There's no more time for us to be stingy and to care about our lives all the time, only. Time is ticking away our lives seconds by seconds. Do you want to continue to be stingy and think about your lives only? I don't want it. So how hard it is, I don't care. I love my brothers and sisters who rebuke me. I love my brothers and sisters. I love my parents who remind me, hey, you know what? Our life's not our own. 
Let's continue how hard it is. It's okay, it's a process. Not everybody right away becomes so generous. It's a process, but are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? That's one, do we have a generous heart? Number two, do we have a submissive heart? So easily we say to submit to God. Oh, I submit to God. He's my master. He's my Lord. But this is the thing that I want to ask you. How can you submit to God when you cannot submit to the people you can see in front of you? To your parents. To your husbands. To your pastors. To your teachers. To your governments. Every one of these authorities, we hate them. We don't like it. And how can we say we submit to God? Remember, a person of authority is a person under authority. That's always the case. For you to have some kind of authority, are you under someone's authority? If you're not under someone's authority, I don't know what kind of authority you have. And I don't even know, are you even submitting to God? Number three, do we have a gentle spirit? Do we complain all day, every day, blessed or not blessed, we complain. God speaks to me very uh, uh, loud on this particular point as well do i have a gentle spirit i pray that i want to have more and more of a gentle spirit it doesn't come easy for me we like to complain we like to get mad and number four do we have a strong faith in the midst of uncertainty like these days, do we still believe in the power of God? Or everything comes crumbling down for us? Man, I cannot see you, God. I don't think you're real anymore, Lord Jesus. Do we have a strong faith? Let's learn. You know, when, uh, when I read this chapter, it struck me. I'm like, wow, what kind of woman is this? I've never seen a person like this. Very generous, submissive to the Lord, to the husband, to the authorities, a very gentle spirit, and a strong faith. So this morning, let me pray for every one of us who's here, who's watching online. Let us take some time to pray and for God to grant us this request. Lord Jesus, I pray that you grant us a generous heart. I pray that you take us out of our selfishness, oh Jesus, to become selfless. Lord, I pray for a gentle spirit, Lord Jesus. Grants us gentleness, Lord Jesus. So that we, we're not easy to get angry. We're not easy to get mad. I speak, Lord Jesus, and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to take us daily, Lord Jesus, to be gentle. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a submissive heart that we can respect the authorities that you have put over our lives and starting to recognize. Maybe we never recognize them. But Lord, this morning, help us to, to be able to recognize who are the authorities you put in our lives. Is it our parents? Is it our leaders? Is it our pastors? Is it our governments? And again, we know the limit, Lord, as long as it doesn't go against your word. We need to submit it is a training ground for us with the things that we can we can see so that we can submit to the things to you whom we cannot see which is harder and Lord grants us a strong faith during times like these so Jesus we don't want to back down 
We want to continue to use our lives to bless other people. And thank you for your providence and, 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 and your uh, uh, blessings for our lives, Lord Jesus. And Lord, use us to be a blessing for other people. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, I pray during times like these that we will still have the joy. We will still have courage. We will still brave, Lord Jesus, embrace life as we need to continue to go on. We don't want to live in fear. But Lord, those who get uh, sick, Lord, you heal them in the name of Jesus. Those who, who lost their jobs, Lord, open doors in the name of Jesus. Use this time to speak louder to us and so then we can come closer, we can run closer to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray.